0: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending,
1: defending, 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 defending,
0: undisputed, universal heavyweight
1: champion. Wildcat Radio 2.0. Bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, And we've talked a lot of football recently, but today's show, this week's show, is going to be more centered around basketball. they got men's and women's basketball. You could argue the programs are going in different directions right now in their seasons. So I guess if we have to start with, if we can call it bad news, the Arizona men's team, they hosted the Oregon schools last week. They beat Oregon State 70-61. Was a particularly close game. Like Arizona was in control in that one. They didn't blow them out like they did up in Corvallis when they played not long ago. But that was like that was expected. Then came the Oregon game, and Arizona has struggled against Oregon recently. I didn't have the numbers in front of me how many straight. I think it's like eight of the last ten or something like that, and six straight or whatever it is. And it was a close game. Like Arizona got to a bad start, but they battled back. They had the lead in the second half. It was it like it was close. They had a lead before Duarte hit a three. You know, Coloco made the two free throws, but Arizona loses that game sixty-three, sixty-one. And Brett, I, I know we you watched that game too, and there's a lot of people who had a lot of thoughts about that Oregon game. What does it mean for the program? What does it mean about Sean Miller? You know, Oregon is the superior program right now. What what's going on here? It didn't upset me that much. And it's not because Arizona's not going to the tournament, it just I watched him like, yeah, okay, they competed. Oregon's a better team, but Arizona was right there and had a chance to win.
0: Yeah, it was a fascinating game to watch. Uh it was one of those games I think I tweeted out from the Wildcat Radio 2.0 handle where how do you watch this Arizona team and, and then remind yourself that they are number 1 in points per game in the conference <laughs> <laughs> because they were it was another one where they were struggling to score. Um it, I I think it was another game in which I found myself watching it thinking Boy, I'm curious to know how this roster will look next year if most of the core comes back, mm-hmm. because I think Oregon has, you know, a little bit. I don't even know if I want to say more talent, but they they're a little more. They've figured it out a little bit more. They're they have like, experience. Little, yeah, but even like, I mean, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. The the center that's supposed to be still in high school kept Kepning. That guy looks like a monster. I mean, in he's the a making. tank. Yeah. Um like he he he's like, hey, what if this guy realizes that he can just is just bigger and stronger than everybody and dunks on everyone? Kind of like Christian Coloco on steroids, which I don't know <laughs> if that would make Kepning like a seven star recruit, maybe. Yeah, well Christian um,
1: Coloco's on steroids a monster from Space Jam.
0: Yeah. Um you know, so that that game was kind of interesting to watch. Also, Azulus Tubelus was not great to start the game, but then ended up being the best player in the game, which was a fascinating turnaround to see mid-game. You know, he was awful for the first five or ten minutes and then ended up being by far the the leading scorer for Arizona with 20 points. I think the next highest was Kirk Carisa with 12 points on on all Mm three-pointers. And and those were the only two guys in double figures, right? Um, So it was another one of those... I'm just going to call it like a, a an ex- experiential growth games for a team that can't play in the in the postseason. If you were if you if Arizona wasn't self-imposing a postseason ban, it would be one of those games. they would be like, "Oh, if only we could have dot dot dot." Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating to watch them lose to Oregon again because I think you were right before that game. I think it was eight eight of the last ten have gone to Oregon since the home winning streak
1: was snapped. Which like with DeAndre and I think right. That was the last uh, time they beat Oregon. I think was Aiton.
0: Yeah, that was I. I'm. That was, uh, um, what's his name?
1: Brooks. Was it the the kind of oh the, oh, the winning streak was that because that was when Miller got in Tarzuski's face right and that was that yes whole, exactly that whole because thing you about that yeah
0: I I was I was actually fortunate fortunate enough to be at that game. Adam. Oh, way to go, Brett. <laughs> So, clearly, I'm the problem here. Well, no, um, I mean, no, you can't say that.
1: Just because you're at the game that Arizona's home winning streak ended. Just because you're at the games when Arizona football plays at Washington State. and like, Just because you're at all these times where Arizona loses
0: sporting at Hawaii, events. I, yeah, at Yeah. I mean, at LSU. Yeah, I mean, I, don't blame yourself, though. That's, that's you know. It's, you know, as long as I'm willing to travel for Arizona basketball or football, they're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> um Get a lower-paying job, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know the I think the the big takeaway, big picture from the weekend or the the week, I guess the ex- weekend extended the two games, especially focusing on the the Oregon game. I feel like you saw Kirk Carissa starting to show the player he we you know he can be, and we all kind of hoped he would be. I think I also tweeted out that like. On this roster, we have a lot of guys that are good at one thing, either defense or offense. And I'm not saying that he's a fantastic defender, but like he has in my mind, defense is 80% effort. Um, and that effort is contagious. And I feel like his on ball defense, at least as an effort perspective, he's he may be physically limited, but he actually he's a net positive on defense, and I think he's an absolute positive on offense. And I'm not sure there's many guys on Arizona's roster that are a net positive on both. If you go down the lineup, <laughs> you know, Tabellis is more an offensive guy than a defensive guy. Same with Akinjo. Same with Ben Matherin. Christian Coloco is the opposite. He's more of a defense guy right now, right? Jordan Brown is more on offense. Terrell Brown more on offense. Daylon Terry, kind of, but he's not enough of a scorer. Right. Um, you know, I think he can be a big value out on both. But... You know, he only played 10 minutes against Oregon, right? Uh, if you look
1: at this game, though, it is it is frustrating that Arizona lost to Oregon again. And there's this thought that Oregon has passed Arizona in the Pac-12, and I'm not going to argue with that. You know, that, that process has been long. Coming to Oregon, is the money they have. They're going to be really good. I like, it's going to be tough to keep up with them. But Arizona, I don't think, lost this game because they weren't as talented, that, which has been the case the last few years. I think Arizona it, lost this game because they're just inexperienced. Down the stretch. Now, granted, Coloco made his free throws, which a year ago, he missed both free throws. He didn't make one to tie. He made both. Like, that's growth, and that's impressive as hell. Like, it didn't end up being the winner because Duarte made the three, but even the three he made, Arizona's defense was really good up until he got that ball for the three, and, of course, he makes it. Really good player. He was 4 of 14 shooting that day, but he made that one. You know, he was 3 of 13 before that. Arizona did a good job. He's a really good player. He made the shot. Great. Congratulations. Good shot by him. But Arizona didn't play a very good game, and yet they had a chance to beat an Oregon team who's not as good as they've been, but has been playing really good basketball lately. And you mentioned to Bellis, he got to a rough start, and even that first half of the first half of that game, it's like, oh, man, like Arizona's got a decent team, but they just don't have the athleticism, they don't have the strength, they, don't, they can't hang with Oregon, and then they did. You know? So it's easy to be disappointed, because, yeah, you want to beat Oregon, of course, but Arizona belonged on the court. And that's not to say Oregon is going to be a Final Four team this year. I don't think they're that good. But Arizona is not that far off from where Oregon is right now. And I think if Arizona had Oregon's perspective or people were thinking that's the type of team they had, they'd be happy about it with what Arizona is. Now, you have to win those games. And Sean Miller took blame after the game. He's like, hey, I need to be better. These late-game situations. Now, Kirk Carissa got a shot off. If he makes that three, as all of a sudden is their late-game situation better? You know, because they got the Coloco free throws to take the lead. Like They played it close down the stretch. They made plays. But they just didn't win the game because Oregon made one more. So I, I look at this game and say, okay, in any other year where you're playing for seeding, like, oh, man, if you win that game, now you're instead of a 8 seed or a 10 seed, maybe you get yourself ready for like a 5 or a 6, right? Like, and we're not looking at it that way. But in terms of where the program is and what they can be, I think it has to be encouraging because they did not play a great game, but they battled and in a season where it's easy not to battle. They could easily quit in most of these games if they wanted to because they're only playing for, really, themselves. <laughs> you know, they're playing for that individual game and their prospects, the growth. Tubellis in that game and what we've seen from him all season long. Akinjo, he wasn't shooting the ball well, but it never felt like he was playing poorly. You know, Ben had a rough game shooting the ball. He couldn't make anything from 3 point He over six from three, but he was contributing in other ways. Coloco made those free throws. Jordan Brown played well off the bench. Terrell Brown's been solid. Like, this is not a bad basketball team. They're just not good enough to beat a good team when they're not playing well, and I don't think anyone's going to say they played well
0: against Oregon. Yeah, and I think, you know, Tubelis I feel like was a metaphor for this roster where, and or this this year's Arizona team where, against inferior competition, they make it look easy, Mm -hmm. and then when they when they face a little bit more elevated talent, even if it's not fully refined and fully experienced. They, 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 they struggle a little bit. And that's, that's an experience question, right? And,
1: and, and that's it right there, right? Is it talent or is it experience? Because you mentioned it makes you really excited for what this team could be in the future. And there's, now people are starting to talk where there's only a handful of games left in the season. Like, well, what if they do come back? How could they be? You know, Ben was asked about last week about the NBA. He's like, I'm only focused on this season. I, if you were looking at this team and saying they lost to Oregon because they're not as good as Oregon, that's one thing. But if you look at it and say they lost Oregon because they're not as experienced, well, experience will be different next year. <laughs> you can't get experience without playing while well, they're playing and getting that experience. So if that's how you approach it, if that's your viewpoint, then how could you be upset about this? Like you could be disappointed, but you can't be upset. You have to be excited because with a season under these guys' belt playing together, like Kirk Carriase, you mentioned his defense. Like this was his fourth college game against Oregon. <laughs> You know, he's played all of four games at the NCAA level. Tubelas is playing at a different level than he has. Akinjo hasn't played. I mean, he played at Georgetown his freshman year, but this is different. Ben was one of the youngest players on the team. Dale and Terry, like, all these guys are growing, and we're seeing it happen in real time, game by game. And again, I keep going back to Coloco, who couldn't make a free throw to save his life last season and sank two incredibly clutch free throws in this one. Like, is it a moment? Yeah. He could miss the next two free throws he takes. But in that moment, Christian Coloco who had been in that situation before against the exact same team in the exact same arena.
0: He came through. That's growth. Yeah, and look at how Tubelis responded from being kind of embarrassed in the first 10 minutes to then suddenly having 20 points and seven rebounds by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Coloco hitting those free throws. This, You know, this is the kind of... A game that you can point to and say, This is a team learning how to win uh, and not just beating the teams they're supposed to beat, but like a more experienced team that is going to be really successful finds ways to win those games, even when the shots aren't falling for Ben Matherin. Like, I think I tweeted out again during the game I was like, I, I think Arizona was settling for jumpers too often mm-hmm. early. They were, and when they, they absolutely they, were. And when they weren't falling, like a more experienced person says, You know what? I need to see the ball go through the hoop and I'm going to find a way to make that happen. Um, so it's, it's a lot easier to take those, those lumps and, uh, grow from them when there's not nearly as much on the line other than, you know, just sheer competitiveness and pride to win the game. But I, and maybe, and maybe that's me, uh, also reacting as a fan where I'm not as emotionally invested when I don't oh, know. I think that's
1: happen. absolutely part of the equation. When anyone who's watching or talking about Arizona basketball, it's like, no, oh, they weren't going to do anything this year anyway. So, you know, it's hard to get emotionally upset about things.
0: Yeah, so you know this I would say Oregon's roster and team this year in that game just in general is a better team, right? Do I but do I think that Arizona's team grown to its potential with its current roster aged a year uh for the most part together plus more, you know, new freshmen coming in? I think they their upside is much higher than this current ro- Oregon roster, right? Yeah, I mean,
1: um, you'd think so. Now Oregon's, gonna, Oregon's not going away. Like that's no,
0: they're also very well coached.
1: Very well coached, very well funded. Like in that they, you could argue if we can, we can kind of transition now to Arizona, their next couple of games at, UCLA, at USC, another pair of programs that Arizona has struggled with recently, You know, especially USC. <laughs> like, they, uh, like Mobley's ridiculous, but you look at just where Arizona is in the pecking order of the Pac-12. Before this season, they were picked to finish in the middle of the conference. Fine. No one knew what to expect of them. There was a lot of brand new places before anyone knew they were going to be, they are going to give themselves a postseason ban. It's like, hey, we'll see. What we've seen, like you said, they're better than the bad teams. Like they make it look easy against the bad teams. But against the good teams, I guess, I mean, UCLA and USC, especially USC, gave us some trouble at McHale Center. But, and we did get to see them play Oregon at Oregon earlier in the season because that game was postponed due to COVID stuff. So we kind of see the growth from against Oregon, but I'm interested to see what they do against the LA schools because we've seen Arizona lose to them twice, and they got embarrassed. I mean, I don't want to say embarrassed. That's a tough word. Just They got beat soundly by USC especially, who's ranked number 17 right now. That's a good basketball team. They got some good players. How does Arizona fare in that game? Because, yes, this season they're behind those programs, but they could show that they're not that far behind and maybe even on the ascension with a win, with some wins in Los Angeles, or competitive games, like com- kind of like against Oregon. And that's not to say moral victories are acceptable, but in a season where you can't win a championship, moral victories are all you got. <laughs> and, and for Arizona, and we all knew this going into the year, though. Right? And you've talked like it's how do they grow because the thought is most of these guys, if not all of them, are back for one more go, like one more season next year. So if they show that progress, if they show that, hey, give them that experience, give them that time, like give Kirk Carissa a full season, like watch out, and that's the impression you get after a loss like they had against Oregon. Is that, yeah, if they can, if this team is to come back with a year of experience next year, they're winning that game. Well, do that again in Los Angeles. Give you an impression that and they play these teams next year, they're going to leapfrog them. They're going to be a better team again. Because the pieces seem to be in place.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's an opportunity here to see if Arizona's young roster is able to, you know, I think respond to a little bit more just raw talent and athleticism. And I'm really curious to especially watch the USC game. Cause I think in terms of just raw athletic ability where it's just like, Oh, like, you know, Evan Mobley is just, that's a, that's a next level talent, right? He good. He really good. Yeah. Like this, this, the silly thing is he's not even as good as he eventually is probably going to be, but mm-hmm. that's going to be in the NBA. Right. Good. Um, <laughs> like he, 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 <laughs> He's he's yeah, his his upside is very, very high. And it's a you know, there's a big jump for a lot of these guys coming to, you know, Pac-12 basketball that are new, like even Terrell Brown came from Seattle University. You know, it's a different talent level in a power five conference. Yes, I understand that like the Pac-12 is maybe not, you know, what it once was in its heyday, but there's still some real talent here. And I think the USC roster in terms of sheer size and in raw athletic ability is going to prove to be a good test for this roster to see if they're a little more ready to handle that, and you know, not just be able to, you not be able to just go through the motions like they can against an inferior opponent where they can dominate them. And they have to come and do the little things right. They have to have the effort on defense. They have to, you know, be quicker to the ball. Like all of those things is how you start to make up some of the difference when you go against the the really high end talent. And I'm really curious to see. How they respond to that Oregon loss, especially against USC, just because I think that it's a similar level of just sheer ability, and we'll, that'll probably tell us a lot about this team, especially when you know there's only so many games left. Like, yeah, if you're there gonna, there's four games a, what, left,
1: unless they get yeah. any of the makeup games, which we'll see.
0: Which I wouldn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet, bet on it. No. I wouldn't bet my life on that at all. No. Um, you know, so like this road trip, in terms of just. You know, you. I think the last two are at home, right? Uh, yeah, Washington schools. Yeah, yeah. So, like, these are your last really big tests of the season, and they and you know they are like because you know there's no postseason, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna really look to see how they react to both teams, and I think it's a little bit different uh, between USC and UCLA in terms of who I'm gonna focus on. You know, for me, it's gonna be how do the Bigs handle. Evan Mobley and, and USC size and athleticism for UCLA. They've got a little more talent on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Tiger uh, Campbell you know, has Tiger had Campbell. his way
1: with Arizona recently.
0: You know, but each of those, you know, the front court and back court, back court are going to have their chance to, like, step up for their last big test of the season. I would, you know, no offense to Washington and Washington State, but they're just not, they're just not the same level as USC and UCLA are no. this year. No,
1: and... That's something where I think we're going to take a quick break, Brett, but when we come back, I want to talk about Arizona's, I guess, standing in the Pac-12, not like where they're at in the Pac-12 standings this season, but it's how we're talking about the levels of competition and where Arizona fits in because we've had this whole conversation about, you know, that program's better, this program's better, Arizona's better than those ones, but like, how should we even feel about that this season? I think that's a worthwhile conversation. Let's get into it after this break. And we're back, and as mentioned, Brett, like Arizona historically has been one of the premier programs, if not the premier program, in the West Coast. You know, The Pac-12, for sure, especially after UCLA kind of fell apart, it was Arizona. And now you have Gonzaga, who's the best team in college basketball right now by a wide margin. You have Oregon, who, as just historically speaking, is a better program than Arizona right now. Arizona struggled with USC. I don't know if USC's past Arizona officially UCLA, I don't know if they're back there. But it's Arizona right now, obviously, is not where Arizona was, say, three years ago, four years ago. During the time when they were every season a contender to make a Final Four. Every season they were churning out NBA lottery picks. Like and if that was their recent heyday, it wasn't it wasn't good enough. People wanted more, <laughs> you know. But Just how we should – how should we look at this Arizona team and this program with Sean Miller? Because there's a lot of people are going to say, hey, we should be demanding better. Like, Arizona deserves better than a team that would be a bubble team this year in this crazy year. Would have been a tournament team last year but not a favorite and missed the tournament the year before that. And we're sitting here talking about, oh, well, it's a good moral victory to lose by two to Oregon. And, hey, we just want to see if they're competitive – at USC and competitive at UCLA. Like that's not how Arizona usually talks. So, like, what does that say about either us as fans slash podcasters
0: or just where Arizona's at as a program? So I think there's a lot to unpack there and I don't even know if it just focuses on Arizona because you know, the Arizona Wildcats are having a lot better year than the Kentucky Wildcats are currently. <laughs> it's been a rough year for the um, Bloods. You know, Duke's not exactly uh, setting the world on fire. North Carolina's, you know, recovered to a 12 and seven record so far. Um, I think some of it is a reflection of the differences in college basketball in the one and done culture versus the develop your talent kind of approach. Like think Kentucky versus Villanova approach. Right. Okay. Um, and in and, and in a, funny way i feel like arizona's current roster and approach this year and going forward is really analogous to what gonzaga was doing you know five plus years ago like going euro heavy having a lot of guys that are there for three to four years maybe supplemented with some high-end guys but you know how many nba first round picks or even draft picks has gonzaga had relative to arizona the last several years but they've been very successful um you know, with that in mind, I think, I, I, I think you can see what the plan is so far as building this roster, and it makes you really. I, I personally am very excited in terms of seeing how they develop next year because I feel like this year's roster has almost exactly been what we expected. Like even with the unknowns, like we knew one of Ben or Dale and Terry was going to bur- break out, and it was Ben. Right, you know, mm-hmm. we we had confidence in Akinjo being a good player. You know, he's turned out well. We had some high hopes for Tubellas. He's generally he's, been,
1: he's delivered.
0: You know, he's generally delivered. Like there hasn't been that many surprises. Um, Not in a negative so,
1: way, anyway. There's been positive surprises, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe Dalen Terry. You'd like to see more uh, balanced as an offensive player. But Ben's better a better ever.
1: scorer than anyone anticipated. Certainly a better shooter.
0: Oh, oh by leaps and bounds, right? Um, so. <sighs> Arizona's program I feel like is in a sustainable spot going forward with a big giant asterisk of (laughs) Sean Miller has what one year left on his contract. I think he's got
1: one year after this one and there's been no conversation that we know of of renewing that which is that's not tenable either but that's part of it right like that's part of where Arizona is right now is like people don't know if. Five years ago, Sean Miller was that dude. He was the coach. Like, yeah, he's the best coach to not make a Final Four, but he'll get there. Even 10 years ago, I guess, that was a conversation, right? Like, he got to Arizona in his second season, was in the Elite Eight, and uh, Jamel Horn three away from going to the Final Four and probably winning a national championship because UConn was not that good that year. And knowing that UConn beat after they beat Arizona was any good. And then a few years later, you know, they were in the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, it seemed like every single year. You just knew it was a matter of time before they were going to break through. You know, but since then, Oregon's been to a Final Four. Gonzaga's been in a national championship game. You know, like, and I, Gonzaga's not in the Pac-12, but they're a Pac-12 power. They're, at this point, looks like Arizona's going to be competing for the same type of talent as Gonzaga. And, like, I'm, I'm with you in that I'm really intrigued and excited about this collection of talent. It's a different approach. I've written about it for AZ Desert Swarm, and we've talked about it on this show quite a bit. It's not going for those one-and-dones. Like, they had three one-and-dones last season. And they were a tournament team. And you could talk yourself into them being a dangerous team in the tournament, sure. Because they had two first-round draft picks, and Nico Manning, who was an elite point guard, who went up going to the second round. You know, like, they had talent on last year's team. This year's team is very, very different. And I'm, I like it, and I've been really excited by what I've seen. Ben looks like an NBA player. You know, Dale and Terry, you can see the potential there. Tubelas has been very, very good. Jordan Brown's been really good off the bench. He's shown a lot of skill. Coloco has taken a step forward, if not a step and a half. It's a good basketball team. It's a fun basketball team to watch, and I think that's why people are invested even without the prospect of a tournament. But can we look at what they've done this year and say, okay, they are going in the right direction. They're going to reclaim their place atop the Pac-12 standings. Or is it going to be a battle for them with the likes of Oregon, with UCLA, with USC, you know, with Colorado, who's been tough? Like Arizona's not that much the gap has closed between those teams, I think. And right now Arizona's behind. Maybe this new model of going to like the Gonzaga style of trying to get players who are going to be around for 2, 3, maybe 4 years works out. But it certainly seems like right now Arizona is kind of playing catch up to those programs.
0: Well, I guess here here I have a question for you before I respond to that, Adam. Let's assume this year's roster Let's assume I really and Terrell Brown, the seniors, decide to move on and don't take advantage of the extra year. So, you know, someone else on the roster moves on to allow for the current class to come come in. Uh, without having and this is assuming there's run. no
1: like sus- like uh, they lose scholarships or anything like yeah. that. Yeah,
0: I'm just saying. You know, I'm basically saying assume this year's entire core comes back, including Ben for next year, plus it's supplemented supplemented with a new class next year's roster in that sense versus last year's 3 NBA one and done guys who do you have more faith in in the in the NCAA tournament
1: oh certainly what we've seen this season but that's in part because we saw last year's team with that carrot and it didn't get them anywhere like we don't we never got to see them like we don't yeah. it's a hypothetical for both cuz I was well, excited about last year's team making the tournament because they had good players. <laughs>
0: and, this, <laughs> you know? and this is and this is my way of kind of backing into answering to your question, where I wonder if Arizona is just the first of the blue bloods, but the last of the West Coast schools to kind of catch up to a new model where it's not as one and done focused. Because look at like the Kentuckys and Dukes right now in a in a world uh, where people the high end talent. Often goes overseas. Oh, hold on, you
1: got to do a movie style voice in a world in where a... the high end talent goes <laughs> to the G League or overseas.
0: <laughs> in a world where Australian basketball is better than playing for Duke, um, you know it's it doesn't pay I, as well though. Can <laughs> can we, can we make mean, that joke on an Arizona Wildcats <laughs> podcast? I mean the the. <laughs> There are some, gosh, who was who was uh, the Arizona guy that was that went and played overseas instead, and he played on or sat on the bench for somewhere and made like.
1: Oh, I know what you're talking about. He was supposed to be around for the eight year, I think. Terrence Ferguson.
0: Yeah, and he yeah, I think was it Ferguson. He made like a quarter million dollars a year to play like, you know, a combined eight games overseas. But he ended up in the NBA for a
1: stretch. He was with Oklahoma City, I think. If it's Ferguson that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, but he he went and got a huge salary to be a bench player overseas. <laughs> I'd sit on the um, bench
1: for a lot less. <laughs>
0: that's what I, that's. I mean, that's that's kind of my point, right? Where it's like, there's look at uh, Azulus Tubelus was considered the highest talent in Europe that ended up coming over here, and a lot of people thought he was just going to go straight to the NBA, right? And like, I think if he had done that route, he would have rotted on the bench somewhere or sat overseas for a few years. And he made the decision to come to, to come to Arizona. Cause if you recall, Daniel Bacho was actually the guy that everyone forget thought was he the was best. supposed to be like, that wasn't he hasn't played all season. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of wonder like realistically, there's not as many blue bloods in the West, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's Arizona and UCLA, uh, USC kind of comes and goes. Gonzaga has built, you know, a program more in a Villanova model, right? You know, Washington's had their years come and gone, same with Oregon, but they're not necessarily consistent. And I, I, I almost wonder if, you know, by by necessity or by design or some combination of both that Sean Miller approached this last year's class with let's build for the long term with the no the notion of, hey, we might not have a postseason to worry about <laughs> anyway. But even the long term, you don't know what your long term looks like.
1: Yeah, That's the odd thing. Like, even last year, we knew, no matter what happened last season, like, they were going to go to the tournament. It wasn't going to be sanctioned. Like, we knew that. This season, as we didn't know, they were going to self-sanction. They were going to, you know, do a self-imposed postseason ban. But you could say, we're going to build for three years from now. Well, you may not be around three years from now. And you may not be eligible for the tournament three years from now. You may not have the scholarship. It's, we, you don't know. So that's a tough. Like I get it, but it screams more necessity than desire. But I'm okay with it because it could be the very thing. That I wrote about. It. I think it's exactly what they needed as a program to kind of get over that hump because they have tried it the other way and they. It's easy to be like, oh, they just can't do it. They were so damn close a few times. Again, Jamel Horn shot away in his second season. Then when they had elite talent, they had the they had the five stars, the one and dones the right mix of them. When you have the Aaron Gordon team. You know, and it wasn't just Aaron. He was only one and done on that team. There Ronde was around for two years, and he was around for the next year, Brandon Ashley, you know, a few years. He had TJ McConnell. So there's a way to do it. But I think what we saw recently, and even like the last team that was supposed to be really good was the DeAndre Ayton team. You had a junior Alonzo Trier, a sophomore Raleigh Alkins, a senior Parker Jackson Cartwright. Last year was really the first season where they had multiple one and duns on the roster. Like multiple expected run one and
0: duns, right? Well, first off, they had a junior Alonzo Trier, a sophomore Raleigh Elkins and zero passes between each other. For that whole <laughs> but just like the way to build this, the way to
1: build a program, the way to build a team, like people got in their heads that Arizona was going all for the one and duns and it wasn't working. Well, in the early days they were really good in part because of their one and duns, because of Aaron Gordon, because of Stanley Johnson. But they had the right guys around them. Like last year was the only year they only had they had the 3 one and duns and they were decent.
0: Well, and he, 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 I'll flip your point on its head a little bit I don't think the plan you know most of the time when you're recruiting everybody has a plan they have a good sense of who's going to be one and done who wants to be but you know Sean Miller generally has a good sense of who is and who isn't really my understanding is neither of uh, Zeke Naji. Nor even it, after his one year, Lowry Markin expected to be only at Arizona for a year, but they outperformed expectations, and that's a testament to Sean Miller and his staff for developing guys, right? So those guys were both signed with the notion of I think I think the general expectation was yeah if they did one and done great, but like realistically we're expecting two maybe three years out of them, and it just didn't work out that way either. So it's it's really to some extent it comes down to you know you're you're never going to turn away talent Mm -mm. right um i'll take i will take a fab five class every year and be (laughs) really happy about it right and i'm sure sean miller would be too it's how do they fit together how does our roster composition work are they you know what types of players are they going to be are they going to be the guys that work effectively within the system or are they going to be you know Wanting to make sure they get their 15 jump shots up for their uh, for their NBA scouts, and I don't think that's always been the case. And I think maybe Sean Miller's learned a, a little bit. You know, you know what the funny thing is? I've seen, I've noticed Adam. I don't know if you've noticed this year's roster. As much as they get bogged down on offense, sometimes they run the offense more effectively as a team than I feel like the last couple years have, uh, which is really fascinating because it's. <laughs> It's guys that are not necessarily more aggressive, but I feel like they understand how they fit within a team role better than maybe in years past. If that it's makes a
1: pretty well constructed roster. Even with the point guard Akinjo, who came over with a reputation being more of a selfish, you know, shoot first point guard, he's like he has those tendencies, but I think Arizona needs it. He's definitely more Mark Lyons than TJ McConnell, but you can win with Mark Lyons. You know, so I've been very impressed with that. But no, I I only talk I like to talk about this because everything we're thinking of, the excitement we have is for next season, which is not usually how it is for Arizona basketball. It's not how we expect it to be. It's not how we want it to be, right? It should be like, hey, this year, they're going to do whatever in the tournament. They're fighting for a top three seed and watch out for a final four run. And that's not happening this year, obviously because of the postseason ban, but this wasn't a team we were expecting that from anyway, which is a step back from what we're used to and what Arizona fans typically and probably should demand. So with Sean Miller having one year left in his contract and a team that we're saying, well, next year, watch out. And I agree with you. I think next year, especially if this team comes back now, granted other programs are going to add talent. (laughs) You know, it's not going to be like Arizona keeps all their guys and no one else has any players, but certainly I see a world where if this team comes back next year and there's no, the NCAA is like, Hey, whatever you guys punish yourselves enough. We're cool. You know, then Arizona makes a run because it's a talented team that should be able to grow together. And with, like we were saying when you're talking about the loss to Oregon, like with experience, they win that game probably. Like that's exciting. But that's not how Arizona basketball is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be next year. They're not Cubs fans. You know, it's not supposed to be wait till next year. It's supposed to be every year you're supposed to be. And I took, a, I know you're a Cubs fan. I was going to uh, say,
0: I resemble that remark. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but you get it, right? Like that's Arizona basketball. And I'm not one who thinks Arizona in the same light as Duke and Kansas and Kentucky and North Carolina. But if you want to be in that next tier, you still gotta be in the conversation most seasons. And hey, this hey, is, you know.
0: It's, hey hey Adam, all those teams you just mentioned, how many of them are in the top ten right oh, now? Oh, I know.
1: But how many of those teams have <laughs> miss, have have been have missed a tournament and you know, a couple of threes? How many of them have been in a final four, or at least haven't been to a final four since two thousand
0: one? Like hey, is Hey Adam, how many of those teams are in the top twenty right now? But that's they're allowed to have that's but that's that's, that's I'm, try, I'm being facetious or yeah. kind of snarky to get to the point that I don't think college basketball is the same as it was okay. 20, 30 years ago. I don't think it's as easy to maintain sustained success today than it was in Lou Dolson's era. I just okay. I don't I think it has changed the one and done culture and the the you know the travel ball teams and it's you know everybody knows who the hype guys are from when they're in sixth grade and it's a different thing and i think the blue bloods have started to realize it because it's so hard to maintain that level of success uh and it's hard for us as fans to think that but like hey we still have a pretty darn good team um but i don't i think i think the years of Teams being a consistent perennial top five program in college basketball are basically over. It's like the inverse of college football where the rich just keep getting richer. I just don't think it's the same in college basketball. Okay, I'm good with that, but you know, but we
1: could argue all we want about where Arizona men's basketball is right now. Let's take a break and we come back. The women's basketball team, I, I don't think there's any argument there. they are really good. They're on a nice little run, and we know where their seating would be right now, and it's quite impressive. So let's talk about that. Welcome back, and as we mentioned before the break, the Arizona women's basketball team, Brett, like Adia Barnes, what she's done with that program in a short amount of time. Like last season, it was disappointing because, like, they were good, and we knew they could have done some damage in the tournament. This season, they've had games missed because of COVID stuff. Like, they've dealt with stuff. But the, the NCAA, they came out with their top 16 reveal this week. Arizona is a number well number eight team in the country for the tournament brackets, so they're a two seed in their region. As if the tournament started right now, they are rolling. Shall we say <laughs> they're coming off a home sweep of the Washington schools? Uh, they beat Washington seventy three to or seventy five to fifty three rather on Sunday. Their most recent impressive game was at Oregon on February eighth. They just beat the number 11, then-ranked number 11 Ducks, 79-59. to 59, So at least one Arizona team can beat Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this team, and you hope, whereas the men's team, there's no tournament for them. You're like, okay, fine. This team, you hope that there's a tournament and they get to play this season out. Because the roster with Sam Thomas, Ari McDonald, especially who celebrated their senior day against Washington, like they deserve a chance to do something special. They've already done something special at Arizona. They've helped turn this program around and become like, There, it's a machine, but they deserve a chance to play out their tournament and see if they can make a deep run and maybe bring a championship to Tucson.
0: Yeah. One of the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not that big of a deal. But one of those things that really sucked about last March with the pandemic was the women's team not getting a chance to make a run in the women's uh, tournament bracket, because I was convinced they were going to at least make an elite eight and probably make a, you know an upstart run to the final four. Mm -hmm. Obviously we'll never know. And the nice thing is, you know, most of the roster came back. Certainly the core talent did, and they picked up right where they left off. Ari McDonald is, is, is she the best?
1: She's the best basketball player in Tucson right now. Yeah.
0: She's, I mean, she's just killing it. You know, you got the, what the three seniors, Adia Barnes, Um, you know, I'm, I'm personally really excited to actually, as, as opposed to like the trudging going into March Madness of like last year's men's basketball team, I think we talked about it about a year ago when the, the, the Pac 12 tournament ended mid tournament. Yeah. You know, we were like, maybe they make a run, but uh, we're going to watch this and be probably frustrated. I was very excited to actually get to watch some of the women's team in the March Madness tournament. You know, all signs point to we're going to get to see that uh, this year, even with the men's team bowing out. You know, it's going to be something fun to see. You know, I think I think Adia Barnes said she expects at least one, maybe two. She's going to try for all three, but Ari McDonald's. She like, like
1: tweeted something about, like, you know, thank you Tucson and everything, which you don't mm. you don't do that if you think you're coming back. I don't I don't think. I mean, who knows, right? Like if they go through this tournament, that's with a super senior status that some of these players can have. Like who knows if the tournament goes a certain way? Maybe you say, you know what, let's run it back one more time. You know, but also if. Mm. Erin McDonald decides to go pro, and Sam Towns decides to go pro. Like you say, you know what? Thank you for your contributions. You deserve
0: a chance to go make some money doing this thing that you're so good at. And, well, <laughs> and, and women's basketball is in a different place than it was 20, 30 years ago. Like, Erin McDonald could go make some some money. Well, right? you, like you she, were talking just the
1: last segment about how, like, the college basketball men's side is different than it used to be, right? Like it was 20 years ago, where it's going to be hard to be a sustainable power. The women's game is a little bit different right now and Arizona seems to be they're not there yet of course they're not there yet but they're on the way you know they're out west good basketball town good campus good facilities a great coach like they're they have buzz in their sport in what they're doing in their league so you see some of the recruits that they have coming in too just it seems like this is where you want to be to build that dynasty type of program to build that program is going to be there for the long haul and to see it, like you said, last season, last year, when everything was shut down, was like that was a bummer because it was like their first year being really, really good. They'd been an upstart team. They won the NIT year before. Like, okay, this is their chance to do it on the bigger stage. And they didn't get that. This is their time to make up for that, it looks like. Hopefully they do get that opportunity, like I was saying, because they are really good. And I'm sure they're the type of team. I mean, they're a two seed. No one's sleeping on them. If it was today, you know, there's one more reveal uh, next month. But I don't think just going to want to play this team. They're deep. They have size. They have shooting. And again, Aaron McDonald's one of the best players in the country. You know, when you have a player like that, you have a chance to win any single game you play.
0: When I think they're what three and one in their four games against top fifteen teams, including Oregon twice. Like they're, it's it's not Stanford a Stanford
1: did a number on them, but you know, Stanford is Stanford.
0: Yeah, but. If you go back to, you mentioned the NIT, like that buzz started then, right? Like they were a better than expected team. And then Adia Barnes basically single-handedly on Twitter got Tucson to sell out the games they were hosting for the NIT tournament for a woman's basketball, right? And some of that, I think, was people just wanting to like celebrate a winner and like an alumni coming home. But that, you know, credit to Adia Barnes and her staff. They have taken that momentum of winning the NIT and selling out McHale Center took it into last year where they were a fantastic team, borderline top 10 team, and they've just continued that this year. And they're going to go in as probably a, you know, a two seed, maybe even better by the time things. They can still get to a one
1: seed if they finish strongly. You think, I mean, obviously they have, uh, this week they're at the Bay area schools. So at Cal and at Stanford, um, we'll see. I mean,
0: (laughs) they, they need to do, take care of business and maybe get, you know, uh, have a thing or two fall their way in terms of some of the teams above them dropping but you i i'm i don't know about you but i'm super excited to uh, to watch them come well, come march just the way we're talking about the men's team like they're building
1: something with their new style of recruiting the women's team has been building for a couple of years now and this is the fruits of it this is supposed to be like the result this is you've been building to this point i mean really they were building to last season <laughs> you Because know, some of these players may have to come back if there was a tournament run last season, but certainly like they're building to this. And is this the peak for the Arizona Women's Basketball Program? Probably not. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, they seem to be at a really good progression and a good rate. But this is supposed to be one of those years. One of those teams where you say this is one that can do it. This is a team that can make a run. They have the pieces in place to do it. So yeah, I'm with. I'm excited too to watch that happen. Just to they deserve that chance. And it's a shame they haven't been able to have the fans in the stadium in the arena this year because the support would be there. Like, we know that. We've seen it. But they're still getting the job done this season, and hopefully they get the opportunity to finish it because they didn't have that opportunity last year. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, they've won six and another other, 14-2 and two overall, 12-2 and two in the conference. They are one of the absolute best teams in women's college basketball. And, yeah, we'll see what they do in the tournament because there's a very real chance – they're going to be a final four team and perhaps bring a trophy back to Tucson with them.
0: Yeah. And even if Harry McDonald decides to leave, they've got a relatively well-regarded 2021 recruiting class coming in. Like Adia Barnes is building this roster for, for long-term success and boy, it's fun to watch somebody uh, with Arizona Wildcats jersey have success in March.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, always like watch what they're doing. I know we spend a little bit more time on some of the other sports, but we're obviously paying attention. Is a little bit less discussion when you're just rolling. Like that's a that's an old radio trick. Like no one really cares when you're just really really good. It's like okay, yeah, they're really good. And Arizona's really good when they get to the tournament. Especially we'll talk about them. And I know baseball season's starting up too. You know, some of the spring sports are kind of getting going, so we'll see where those go. There's a lot of optimism for those sports, too. I talked to Michael Lev last week. He was talking about the baseball team, Jay Johnson's program. Seems to be in a really good spot, the best pitching they've had, like, ever. So, <laughs> And we all know baseball, pitching goes a long way. So, you know, there's going to be plenty to talk about. Of course, spring ball, too, for football. We will talk about football again in a later show. Trust me on that.
0: Yeah, Arizona baseball was primed for a big year last year mm-hmm. before – Covid struck, and I think expectations are only even higher this year with the, they lost the a little talent. bit of talent i know
1: austin wells went to the was drafted and i think the first round but they're they're talented they're good
0: yeah but college baseball is harder when it comes to like recruiting and scholarship allocation and you you need to have very thoughtful management of your roster to say the least yeah oh for sure. So
1: there's a lot to talk about for Arizona athletics. And, yeah, even though the men's team has four games left, there's plenty to go forward with postseasons. And we'll, we'll be here on Wildcat Radio 2.0 talking about all of it. You know that.
0: Like, we're not going well, anywhere. And, and, hey, Adam, can we just talk about the uh, the fact that we went a week without Arizona football having some massive news, either good or god-awful? When was the well, last time well, that happened,
1: we're recording this on February sixteenth, by the way. So if you listen to this on the seventeenth, <laughs> then massive news happened. Like, I'm sorry, like we we can't help that. We're not a live show.
0: Spoiler alert. So <laughs> hopefully, if there's massive news, it's good news. Yes, there's been there's since the the game that shall not be mentioned. It's been mostly good news rather than mm-hmm. bad news. I would say. I'd agree with that. So if that news
1: happens, good or bad, we'll talk about it next week. Of course. But otherwise, yeah, I look forward to Wildcat Radio 2.0 in the future. We got plenty of stuff coming down with teams that we should be really optimistic about. It seems like so that should be a lot more fun. Uh, make sure you're following us Wildcat Radio AZ on Twitter. You download the show on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. You know, if you feel up to it, give us a rating, give us a review. We'd appreciate that. Whatever your platform is. But otherwise, we'll catch up with y'all next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.